This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort, we could be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your very next order. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show of course at Locked On Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And joining us today for the first of many draft coverage episodes is Richard Stamen, credentialed draft expert and one of the hosts over at Locked on NBA Draft, and you can follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft, which, Richard, we got to be honest with you, man. That ad is killing me on this podcast. Hey, I mean, I uh, I knew this would happen. I knew this would be a touchy subject, but I promise I'm not I'm not one of uh, those people who will just hold that over your head that you're a Rockets fan. I'll, I'll just gently remind you. <laughs> hey, man, look, 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 you know, Nick was on this podcast once upon a time. He made it out unscathed. Hopefully we can say the same for you. He didn't step on anybody's toes. I think he took a couple jabs while he was over here. But, um, you know, we, you're here because we want your inside knowledge. We want your experience, your your expertise when it comes to the draft. And I guess a good spot we're going to focus today's episode is going to be in entirely on Cade Cunningham. And this probably won't be the only episode we do on Cade. There's just so many different angles to tackle about his potential fit with the Rockets, you know, his fit in the NBA at large, you know, just everything that has to do with Cade Cunningham. We wouldn't be able to fit it in just one podcast. But before we get to Cade specifically, I want you to have an opportunity to share with the Locked on Rockets listeners, what are some of your go-to resources that you use when it comes to kind of preparing for the draft and maybe some resources that others could use if they want to better educate themselves uh, on the upcoming NBA draft and, you know, just drafts moving forward? Yeah, so, I mean, it first starts, I mean, if you're just looking to get an introductory level knowledge, uh, I think it starts with just YouTube highlights. I think that's, or there's condensed games, things like that. Uh, YouTube has tons of content especially the higher up in the draft you are the more content there is you know second round guys aren't going to have as much as Cade Cunningham just because of the microscope we put Cade under um but if you're willing to go a little bit more in depth synergy is a great tool um you can get all the games on demand and honestly Twitter is a great resource as well if you name search and then type in videos and then if you you know if you follow a ton of draft people, you can go to people you follow. So you don't have to get like the ball is life stuff. That's just kind of propaganda. You can kind of weed that out that way. So there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, those are just some really good in- entry level uh, resources, I think. Okay, great deal. Good deal. Um, now with that, let's, let's, I, I want to focus right now. We're going to, we're going to jump straight in here. And I think the area that is so I don't want to say this is like a touchy topic with Cade, but right, he's he's being viewed as, you know, more or less a, I don't want to say transcendent, maybe that's too strong of a word, but he he's being viewed as a guy who's going to more or less change the, the direction of a franchise, a true franchise cornerstone, uh, you know, the clear consensus number one overall pick. 
And so for you, just starting out, what in your eyes is his ceiling and what is his floor kind of coming out of the gate of this draft? Yeah, so his I'll start with the floor. The floor is very high. He's going to be a starter in this league at the very least. I, I think he's a guy who, you know, you don't feel com- uncomfortable uh, having him out in your starting five. And that can do a lot of things on the floor. You know, he can pass, he can defend, he can shoot at, at, at the least. All of those are adequate. I think his passing is going to translate no matter what. But as a 6-8 kind of combo guard point forward to an extent, it's a rare trait to have, you know, and those guys just kind of stick, especially with his basketball IQ. Uh, so that kind of feeds into his ceiling. As you can tell, if that's his floor, um, his ceiling is pretty high. It's very close. He's the closest prospect to Luka Doncic, right? I don't know if he gets to the MVP level, but he does get to the perennial all-star, uh, maybe even perennial all-star starter. That kind of tier is a very realistic outcome. Okay, and I I like the 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 Luka Doncic comparison because I've you know there obviously Luka is referred to a lot as a guard, but he's got that six eight build, that kind of bigger body, that bigger frame, and that leads me to my next question with Cade. Does his position necessarily matter in the NBA? I, I think that in today's NBA, especially, right, you you know, we've gone away from the traditional one through five positioning, but you know, is he truly a guard moving forward? Is he somebody that you could slot in at the three spot with two guards playing alongside him and just have, you know, kind of a a potential triple headed threat of of playmakers and or ball handlers on the court all at the same time? What do you view him as uh, as his you know career starts and progresses in the league? Yeah, I think you can fit him out there in any lineup, especially in the NBA where, you know, you can just never have enough ball handlers. It's just, you know, looking at the Mavs as a Mavs fan, where the Mavs often run a lineup where Luka Doncic is the only ball handler, you know, the more the more the merrier uh, for him. So I, I think he can fit into any lineup. And I'm sorry, what was the what was the other part of that question? I think I got too fixated on that part. <laughs> no, just that, you know, I guess just with the way the NBA is trending, and maybe this is more more so a question, you know, defensively, if anything, which is, you know, that's an area that we'll talk about uh, coming up in a moment. But, you know, potentially for a guy his size, you know, 6'8", 220 right now, a, a pretty solid wingspan, just over seven feet. Um you know, is is he a guy that you could potentially play as a forward or is he going to be labeled as a guard? Is he going to be slotted in as a guard moving forward? And I ask that from a Rockets perspective where this team is still saddled with John Wall's contract. They're trying to grow and develop Kevin Porter Jr. So if this Rockets club were to draft Cade Cunningham, where would his fit be? Would he be able to slot in essentially at that three spot and guard some of the other bigger players on opposing teams without much issue? Uh, and so that's kind of where some of that question was coming from as well. Yeah, I, I think especially on the defensive end, I mean, he has a lot of versatility. Being 6'8 helps a lot in the, like you said, seven foot wingspan. I was actually just in a locker room earlier with someone who thought he could play some backup, like when when teams go small, that he could be a center in some lineup. So the, yeah, I don't know how much I believe in that, but there is some truth that depending on the lineup, you could make him out there. And I mean, he's, he's very capable on the defensive end. And then, I mean, offensively, like I said, I mean, you can just never have enough ball handlers. I don't think it's a huge issue, but on the defensive end, you know, you don't worry about his versatility. There's not, there's really not anybody outside of like post-minded bigs that I would trust him not to be, that I would be worried about him guarding. 
Okay. Coming up, I want to. I do want to, you know, continue th- this conversation. Obviously, this entire episode is about Cade. I want to get to uh, his strengths, his weaknesses. We'll talk a little bit more about the defensive side of things, as well as you know his potential rotation fit in Houston. All these different angles that we're going to be tackling and more. And we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. When's the last time you bit into a protein bar and thought, wow, this is delicious? If the answer is never, you have to check out Built Bar. They have so many amazing, delicious flavors to choose from. Mint chocolate brownie, banana bread, peanut butter, salted caramel. It's just that you really can't go wrong down the entire menu. My personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk, it's the best one. It's the one that won Built Bar Madness back in March. Really just can't go wrong with any of their amazing flavors And the best part about these bars, right, they're covered in 100% delicious chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not gritty or chalky like other protein bars are. They're low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing if you're on a keto diet. And you can check them out. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcast. Chatting with Richard at Mavs Draft right now, part of the Locked on NBA Draft show. Now, Richard, let's talk for a moment when it comes to Cade, and you can tackle this one way, whichever direction you want to go first, but if you're looking at Cade, what is his singular biggest strength and his singular biggest weakness coming out of the draft? Yeah, so honestly, they're kind of the same thing in a weird way. So his best strength is far and away his intelligence for passing and just understanding passing angles, when to make the passes, uh, his ability to pass is just, I mean, it's second to none in this draft class. It, it's really, he'll instantly be a top five passer in the NBA. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Uh, so that being said, his weakness is turnovers. He he does kind of force the issue at times. And he's very comfortable with traps and almost to a fault. He, he likes the defenses coming in at him and making them pay. But sometimes, you know, they'll play the passing lanes when they when it looks like they're playing him. Just needs to learn that. Uh, but I think it's a very fixable Thing, especially with NBA spacing, because a lot of those turnovers came with like five people uh, on both teams in the paint, and that's not going to happen in the NBA. So you talk about his IQ. So it's not necessarily are the these these aren't turnovers that he's forcing due to you know simple mistakes or anything. These are potentially turnovers where he's being maybe potentially a little bit too creative with his passes, trying to do a little bit too much, and things that, like you said, will hopefully open up once he's on an NBA court, right? Right. I think the college spacing really did not do him any favors whatsoever. Okay, and looking at the numbers, the the assist numbers don't necessarily jump off the page when you look at his college statistics. Just averaging three point five assists. Now, is there a reason for that? Is it is should should that be a cause for concern, or do you expect those numbers to just kind of skyrocket once he makes it to the NBA? Yeah, so I I'd actually before this episode, I was doing some uh, some searching through my old tweets, and one of them I looked through that I specifically was like I have to mention this was against OU. Uh, he had one assist and I made a clip of just five robbed assists. There was one where the guy had nobody near him, took too long on the fast break and he got blocked on a dunk. That was a robbed assist. Uh, he got robbed a lot. It was just the teammates just weren't that good. And honestly, in college, it happens. You know, there's guys who 
average three assists a game, and they've been pegged as some of the best passers. So I, I think it's mostly the college issue. I think he very easily will average seven plus assists in the NBA. And I know you made the Luca comparison earlier, but is there potentially like stylistically a player that his passing reminds you of potentially more? Is is Luca still the comp there, or is there another guy that you could point to and you say, you know what, this is kind of the reminder that I'm getting, or potentially, you know, I know Luca's pretty young himself, but maybe another young player that you remember them coming out and thinking, you know what, Cade is reminding me a lot of this guy, the way that he facilitates, the way that he creates for others. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I haven't thought a ton into. Uh, Luca is a very similar player just because of the way they both handle the traps and they love baiting defenses and then they beat them through their passing. So that's why it's just such a similarity uh, in that regard. Another guy to an extent, this is a really weird one because as players, they're not similar, but as passers, I think they're pretty similar as Rajon Rondo. They just kind of make the offense flow, you know? Okay, and and I think one of the things with with Rondo too is you know he's not necessarily somebody you think of in an offensive sense like a Luka Doncic. So talking about Cade and where his where his presence is offensively and how he's going to fit into a team, does he does he truly have that pass first mentality? Is he also going to be a capable scorer in this league? Obviously, you look at the numbers. You know, average just over twenty points a game on you know, really solid efficiency, uh, shooting 40% from behind the arc in, in college. You know, those are great numbers just on the surface, but, uh, you know, some to get a deeper understanding of that, what are we looking at from Cade offensively, the style of player? We've, we've spent some time talking about his playmaking, but about his ability to just get the ball in the bucket. Where does he find himself succeeding the most on the basketball court in that regard? Yeah, so, I mean, it starts with the fact that he's a three-level scorer. Like you said, the three-point percentage is there. Um, and he averaged, I think he shot 85% from the line, which is pretty good. That's almost elite. Like if you're above 80, you're pretty safely projecting to be a good shooter. Shot decently at the rim, shot 58% there. Uh, that's about average, not really stand out. But, you know, at the size, the strength, good, decent athlete. Uh, I think he finishes there pretty well. Um, but overall, three-level score that can pass. And really, I mean, I, I just I don't see a way – where he doesn't add anything on offense. A, a light offensive night for him is is still pretty good. And, and to answer your question about pass first or not, he was pass first to a fault in college a lot, which I don't think will be a fault in the NBA. Uh, granted, there are guys who have to learn how to overcome that. I mean, as a Mavs fan, I can say Luka Doncic was one of those guys where he wanted to get his teammates involved too much. Uh, and they, one of those games, I think it was a 40-point game, he had like 20, 18 points, something like that, with 10 minutes to go, and he finished with 40 just because he learned, hey, my teammates aren't going to win this game. Only I can win this game, and he did it. So those are the kind of like flashes that you have to look for, um, and I think that he's he's got it. He's a complete offensive player, and that game was a great example of it. I know that there have been some questions about his athleticism and how that translates to the NBA game. What can you say about that, and are those concerns warranted in any capacity? To an extent. I mean, someone asked uh, has asked me, like, you know, what would make him fail? And it's the fact that it wouldn't make him fail. It would just reduce his effectiveness, first of all. But he can't really blow by guys as quickly as a lot of other 6'8", you know, guys who, you know, are better athletes than him. Uh, people at his size who handle the ball like him that can blow by guys. He doesn't exactly blow by you in a way, and he doesn't have the deceleration Luca has. Um, just as another example, a guy who's not a great athlete at that size, but um, 
that's probably his one shortcoming athletically, but it, above the rim, he can, you know, he can finish. Uh, he moves well. There's not really any flaws there. It's just, he doesn't stand out. It's more of an issue. Okay. And we talk about, you know, him being a, a three level scorer. I want to know specifically, and this is, you know, to, to try and understand how his dynamic could potentially fit with Christian Wood. How has he looked in the pick and roll? And is that an area where, you know, you give him a really solid, you know, rim running big, uh, somebody who is a, who is both a rim running big and a pick and pop threat in Christian Wood? You know, do, do you see that dynamic potentially, you know, taking off between those two if he were to become a Houston Rocket? Yeah, so you mean on the offensive end only or both both ends? Uh, well, let, let's go offense first. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he can run a pick and roll pretty cleanly. Timing is just outstanding as a passer. Uh, where he really, you know, can't, Oklahoma State really didn't run a ton of pick and rolls for him. Like I thought they should have. I think that's probably his best strength offensively, just tricking defenses. So it's hard to say how great he is, but I think he will thrive very well in that area with, with Christian Wood. Okay, and then I, I guess so. I guess not so much defensively thinking about you know him defending in the pick and roll because we did cover kind of defense a little bit and talking about his size and where he could be you know tr- you know traditionally utilized. But I guess we just mentioned his athleticism a moment ago. Is that something that he faces issues with potentially defensively if he gets slotted in at one of the two guard spots? If he's forced to guard smaller players at an NBA level at the NBA speed, is that something that he might ultimately hit a wall? against you know once he's an nba player well you kind of you said the name uh he's not gonna have to guard guys like john wall that are just lightning fast i don't think and most guys can't keep up with him but yeah he would probably struggle on those guys but you put him at someone who's like an above average athlete a good athlete and i think he can stay with them um and with the pick and roll on defense like he navigates screens really well he can switch like i said there's people who think he could play big um in the nba defensively so I, I don't really worry. I think he's got versatility both up and down. I think he can take those guards. I want to I want to pick Richard's brain about the potential fit. We we talked momentarily about the fit between uh, Cade and Christian Wood, but I want to know moving forward for this Rockets team specifically. Kevin Porter Jr. is obviously a big part of this team moving forward, so I want to know what that potential dynamic looks like with Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, and how that potentially looks with Cade operating off ball, as well as a few more a few more topics I want to get to, and we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA is still going strong, NHL going strong, and MLB just started up and going strong as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. So head over to the website and sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked on NBA draft pot. Wait, wait, Richard, do this read. You you promote Locked on NBA draft. Why am I doing this read promoting your show? Tell us hey, why I we should listen you to your show. I mean, there's three, there's four quality hosts, you know, three shows. Uh, we got Cody and Sam as one. Raphael is incredible. He's probably the best international draft guy in honestly, in the draft community. Um, 
I hope this episode makes a pitch for me. I'm not going to like boast about myself, but Sam and Cody are so good. They give a, like, we all have different perspectives on it. Great, great improv, improv by the way, improvisation. Well, I, I was, I, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. I'm reading this like, and he's right here. Like I could just pull him in and do this, but you know, we're, we're chatting with Richard right now and he's been uh, very insightful, uh, you know, regarding Cade Cunningham so far. And the, the area that I want to talk about next is, with Kate, and this is the the dynamic potentially going forward for the Rockets, is they they believe so highly in Kevin Porter Jr. and we're already seeing it a little bit with, you know, some of the struggles between you know John Wall existing on the court, you know, potentially taking away reps from Kevin Porter Jr. and then suddenly let's pretend we introduce Cade Cunningham to this situation. Let's just pretend for a moment we just John Wall falls off the face of the earth. We're not even going to evaluate you know factor him into this situation, but. KPJ and Cade Cunningham, you know, existing on the court together. We're already seeing Kevin Porter Jr., you know, kind of learning to play off ball a little bit, existing alongside John Wall. Is that an area that you think Cade can potentially develop in? Or do you, like, between those two guys, do you see them kind of having a symbiotic relationship where they play, you know, one plays off ball a little bit, the other guy has the ball, and they kind of learn to coexist? Or do you see one of them taking the reins more so than the other guy? Yeah, so I mean, I think Cade would be the more put the ball in his hands first guy, but I do think they can coexist because Cade is an off-ball player also because his spot-up ability is nice. He has a quick enough shot that he can shoot over defenders and closeouts. So I think that they could do a little bit of, you know, giving, uh, I guess, a balancing act, like your turn, my turn. It almost reminds me of how Brandon Ingram and Zion exist in New Orleans, how they both need the ball so much. Obviously, it's not a great example because New Orleans is at the bottom of the West too. But there's, they make it work to an extent. It'd be a lighter version, of course. But I do think that they can very easily coexist, and you know, and it also makes it easier for when one goes off the floor for them for the Rockets just to be good and not have a fall off. To to have to have essentially one primary facilitator on the court at all times. Now, Correct. there's an area that with Kevin Porter Jr. and this is something that we've seen is. You know, we've seen games where he's had a really high usage rating and he's looked really great. And then we've seen games where he's had a lower usage rating and he's really struggled. Is that an area that you can potentially see with Cade where if he's not being involved enough in the offense, if he's forced too much into that off-ball role, is that something, you know, potentially a confidence issue that might stem, you know, potentially with him coming out of the draft and, you know, being on a team where he's not suddenly the go-to guy, where he's not pulling the strings every single possession? Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't worry too much about that. There were stretches where Cade was coming off the bench at Oklahoma State. Um, I think it was a very, very short period, and it was because of injury, if I'm not mistaken. However, he's shown to be very not rattled by just changes in the team. So I, I don't think that would have to be something you worry about. I don't think there's really any character things about that, like whether you know internal or external. All right. Well, I, I want to get to uh, now, now that we've kind of covered a lot of different bases with Kate, I want to get to a surprise category here. And this is going to be the it's only a surprise once, but I think it's a really strong category. And I, I think this should be like on official like NBA draft, like, you know, scouting reports and whatnot. But what is Cade's bustability score? Like if you were to give him like a grade on whether or not he turns out to be a bust, like how confident are you? I know you talked about his floor and his ceiling earlier, but you know, we, we've been wrong before. There have been players who have come out and we felt so confident in their ability to be an impact player in the NBA, to be a star in the league. And we've seen a lot of guys not pan out. So what is his bustability score to you? 
So just to clarify, this doesn't include like a Markel Fultz situation where he just suddenly forgets how to play basketball, right? Like, I mean, is that I, included? I guess the, I, I guess that's like technically included because of like, so, I guess my thing is it would be, it doesn't include injury, right? Because like if he comes out and he right, gets injured immediately, right. then that's like, that sucks. Like that doesn't show whether or not he can actually play that's, the game. So, nope. but the Markel Fultz thing, that's a, that's a very real mental thing that he had to deal with and yeah. then overcome. So I guess that would include a Markel Fultz situation. Why is Cade <laughs> suddenly, is Cade about to be the next Markel Fultz? Hey, I didn't need, I that's didn't how I'm quoting you, you on this podcast. That's, I'm going to go <laughs> advertise this podcast and say that, <laughs> that Richard said Cade is the next Markel Fultz. I'm taking it completely out of context. Hey. You would not be the first lottery team host to do the same thing. A certain other team in the same region may or may not already do the same thing with Evan Mobley. Um, so for me, yeah, basically what I meant by that was like injury aside, because like, that's an unfair, unexpected thing um, that you just can't, you know, predict. For me, his I don't see how he busts. Like my the way I've said it is one, he's a lock for number one. There's no debate about that. He is the lock for number one. Doesn't mean he's a lock for number one player from the draft, which are two very separate things. Um, I think his worst case is probably the sixth best player from the draft. So bustability rank, I mean, I guess at zero, right, or 10, technically one of those two, depending on the perspective. But I, I just don't see him being like a bust where he's like swapping teams, you know, by his third year, they decline his, or they pick up his option. But, you know, he's a trade piece more than a, a good player for your team. I don't see it. So you think so? Whoever draft, whoever does ultimately draft Kate is probably going to be a team that you know holds on to him for as long as possible. You you kind of expect yep. him to have a solid NBA career. Um, now I, I do want to kind of expand for a moment on what you just said a moment ago. The difference between being the lock for number one and being the best player in the draft. Can you kind of highlight that for a moment? Yeah. So every year, just about almost all the last since 2010, there's been locks for number one, starting with John Wall in 2010 to I mean Anthony Davis, Zion. No matter how good other people were, they just couldn't be beat. That doesn't necessarily mean that on a big board, if you do a redraft in five, 10 years, that's going to be the same order. It's only been, uh, and I looked it up since 2010, I think it's been five of 11 drafts uh, or something like that. It's maybe even 20, 2009 uh, have been where the number one pick ends up being the consensus best player. It's Anthony Davis, like John Wall, um, even in 2010. Actually, even 2010, it might be Paul George because of the injury, but it's a very rare, it's almost rare, or at least uncommon to have number one pick be the best player. So I don't think it, you can say like there's no conversation for anyone else, especially in such a deep class at the top where you have Evan Mobley who would go number one any other year. I don't think Kate is a lock for the number one player, but I also wouldn't say if you're putting him below four or five, you're probably just doing it for takes, hot takes and stuff. So yeah, that's the difference. So he's not. So in your eyes, he's not a lock for number one player from this draft. Does that mean that in your eyes, you've got you're you're slightly higher on like Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley as as far as how they potentially pan out in their NBA careers? No. So I mean, I still have Cade number one on my board, but I mean, I will listen. I'm not going to shut down people who are like, well, there's also this guy, you know, because there is there's a very real case, and usually it's not even someone. Oddly enough, it's not someone usually in the top five of the draft that comes the best player if it's not the number one. Okay, I like that, and I appreciate you taking taking a moment to to highlight the uh, the thought process there. Which brings us, I first off, did you appreciate the bustability score? Because that's something we're gonna do that moving forward me. when we talk about <laughs> other guys. <laughs> that scared me, but yes, no, it's a very good, it's a good, it's a good uh, test. It should be a real metric. It should. I just, it just, I'm like, I'm like Hollinger with uh, what did he do? Per? Yeah, 
Yeah, P E R. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so that's so that's me with bustability. Just you know, look up Jackson Gatlin. You'll see bustability score right next to my name. Um, <laughs> no, need but, a which, fancy name for it. Right. I'll come up with something a little bit catchier the next time we sit down to record one of these, Richard. But that brings us to, look, we're talking NBA draft. We got to do a spin, right? We got to do a tankathon spin, which right now the Rockets are the worst team in the entire NBA. So they have the best lottery odds. So let's see how this spin plays out. Are you ready? I'm a little bit nervous considering I'm also a Magic fan, so yes. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. Oh, that, that's right. I didn't even highlight the fact that you were also no, Ma- sorry, okay. Mavs okay. slash Magic draft. <laughs> hey, I mean, Rockets fans don't necessarily have anything against the Magic other than like those couple of years where like, you know, there was the who's the best center in the NBA, Yao Ming, Dwight Howard, and then Dwight like became legit Superman, <laughs> you know, year in, year out, DPOY. So, and then Yao got, you know, sidelined by injuries, but that's besides the point. So we don't have any beef with the Magic side of you, just the Mavs side. Uh, so let's go ahead and spin. Let's go ahead and spin this uh, spin this wheel. Let's see where the tankathon lands. The Rockets. Oh, not a good spin today, man. All right, you might be bad luck. We might have to stop doing these. Rockets wait, wait, fell. Did the magic climb. Right. The the magic did climb actually. So you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> the magic climbed all the way to number one overall. Indiana jumped up ten spots to two. <laughs> Which is, I already don't like this one. This this one's just total BS. <laughs> Oklahoma clocks in at three. New Orleans gets Ooh. four. So they jumped up six spaces. And the Rockets fell four spots all the way down to the number one or the number five overall pick, which of course goes to Oklahoma City. So not a great lineup for the Rockets, unfortunately. They do walk away with the 17th overall pick by way of Miami, uh, but not a great look. So congrats, Richard, for walking away with Cade Cunningham in Orlando because that's the you. consensus number one, right? <laughs> yep. Thank you very much for your service. I'm sorry for the sacrifice you had to make today. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, with this, with these other these other top picks, if you're Indiana, OKC, and New Orleans in Two, three, four, and we'll say also OKC five. What? Who are you drafting and where? Man, that might be the easiest order I think to possibly go. Um, you go Cade in Orlando. Um, disregard the plethora of guards they suddenly acquired. You go Mobley in Indiana because I feel like they really need a big man. Uh, I don't know if Miles Turner's is it, but and then number three was uh, OKC, right? Yeah. God, that's Jalen Suggs' dream scenario next to next SGA that is a match made in heaven and then New Orleans number four I mean man you can't draw this up Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga is perfect as a secondary creator next to Zion and Ingram I mean wow that is I love this I'm so sorry that it, it yeah really I hate this I'm, I'm glad that one of us is happy about this um because this is a uh a crap sandwich for me personally which I know that like I you know I'm gonna be we're gonna be doing these you know these in-depth, you know, draft analysis pieces and really trying to pick apart some of these prospective players. And we're going to get to the the draft lottery day. And my my next like decade of Rockets basketball is either going to be made or broken <laughs> on that day. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so I, I'm glad that one of us walks away happy from this. But Richard, appreciate you taking the time to be here. Why don't you let the listeners know where they can track you down at? Yeah. So uh, like uh, like you had said, Jackson, Locked on NBA Draft. Uh, I'm on every Tuesday is my day. Uh, And then you can also find me on Twitter at MavsDraft or MavsDraft.com where I post scouting reports, mock drafts, and big boards. All right. Appreciate you taking the time to be here with us, Richard. That's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.